Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. I tell you what, I'm ready to preach today. Come on, anybody ready to listen today? I have had the last two and a half days with just me and my two and a half year old son because my wife and my two teenage daughters are in New York. And so after two and a half days of that, it's been awesome. But I'm telling you, I'm ready for some adult conversation. Come on, some interaction today. So I got a whole lot of words stored up and they're all going to come out today. But don't let me just be the only one talking. I think y'all need to talk back to me just a little bit. How many know it's okay to say amen? Come on, let me hear a little amen. It's okay to say, come on, pastor. It's okay to get with me, talk back just a little bit today. And what we've been doing over this summer, really every summer we do this, we do what we call Bible Month. And in the month of, of July, we actually started a little bit early this year, the last Sunday in June. But throughout the summer, we really focus on the power of God's word in our life. This is our vision, changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. We believe that the Word of God has the power to change lives. And so every summer we have two goals. Everybody say two goals. Two goals every single summer. And that is this. The first one is we want to get the Word in you. So everybody say get it in me. Get it in you, man. We want to get the Word of God in you. And so every summer, of course, every Sunday we preach the Word of God. But during the summer, we try to do our best to give you the tools to help you to not just come on Sunday and hear sermons, but to really learn how to read and study the Bible for yourself. In fact, at your seat there, once again today, every one of you should have one of these soap cards. And this is just a tool to help you to know how to not just read the Bible, not just to hear a sermon on Sunday, but really learn how to study the Bible for yourself. And so this month we've been going through the book of Ephesians and we've had a few challenges for all of you. The first one is when you come on Sundays, I'm preaching a message on the book of Ephesians somewhere. And what we're doing is we're just doing this soap method together. I don't know if you've noticed, but my sermons have just been the soap for that week. And so we've been doing that together on Sundays, but I've challenged every one of you to not just do it on Sundays when you come and listen to it, but to take one of these cards, read through Ephesians with us and do the soap every day. Everybody say every day. Every day that you would take it, they're just little short passages of scripture, but you go in depth with the scripture observation, application, and prayer. And then we've been challenging every family in the church to not just do it on your own, doing the soap method on your own, but actually once a week to gather your family around and do a soap together with your family. It just takes five or six minutes to actually do this little process, read the scripture, do the observation, the application, pray together as a family. And how many believe if you would would do that just once a week for a while, how many would think that could change the whole dynamic of your family? Come on, right? I really believe it, that you actually would say, hey, the Word of God is valuable and important priority in our home, and you would train up your kids to know that, that you wouldn't just come on Sundays, you wouldn't just read the Bible for yourself, but you would actually pour it into, pass it down to the next generation. So we're doing that together. We're getting it in us. So everybody say, get it in me. 
Second thing that we're doing is we're getting the word of God, not only inside of us, but if it is so powerful to change our lives, we got to make sure that people in the world that don't have it for themselves, that they have it for them, right? And so what we've been doing is we're challenging you. In fact, I've told you every single week, there are over 300 languages in the world that still do not have a Bible translated into their language. It's incredible. And so what we're doing is we're partnering with Fire Bible. Fire Bible translates Bibles and then distributes them into people and gets them into the hands of people who would, would not have a Bible in their language. And so it costs $10 to translate a Bible. And we have challenged every family. Everybody say every family. Every family in the church, we have challenged you to do at least 15 Bibles between now and the end of the year. That's $150. I believe every single one of you could do it. In fact, at the end, I'll, I'll once again remind you of a way that you could do it. Wouldn't even miss it in your life. And then you would make an impact, not just get the power of the word of God in you, but get it to people in the world who don't have it. How many will help me on that today? Thank you for those three people that are helping me on that. We're all going to get involved, right? So let's jump in today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We've been studying through Ephesians, and what we found is that there are a lot of great themes in the book of Ephesians, but the one we have been focusing on has really kind of been the overarching theme of all of this series and all of the book of Ephesians. We find it right there in Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul prays this prayer, and when he prays this prayer, this is what he says. He says, my prayer for you is that you would what? You should know it by now. That you would know God. I am praying for you that you would know God because there's something powerful about the fact that there is a God who wants to be known by you. He is a personal God who wants to have relationship with you, that you can know him and he can know you. And this is the whole key theme of this entire series is this, knowing God changes everything. In fact, why don't you say that with me on the count of three? One, two, three. Knowing God changes everything. Come on, say it again. Some of y'all weren't saying it. Let's do it. One, two, three. Knowing God changes everything. And that is what we have discovered in this series, that man, when we know God, it changes everything in our lives. And we've studied through Ephesians. We found out in Ephesians chapter two, that the more we know God, the more we know his purposes for our lives, that we are, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do a purpose, to do good works that God has for us. Last week, we talked about the fact that the more we know God, the more we're going to know his power at work in our life, that power that comes through the Holy Spirit working inside of us to give us the strength and the power that we need to live out the godly life and to accomplish the purpose that God has for us. Today, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1. So if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and read it together. Verse number 1. This is what Paul writes. By the way, this is our scripture in the soap for today. As prisoners for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of what? Everybody say it. Through the bond of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But each one of us, he has given grace just as Christ has apportioned 
it. I want you to check out and focus on verse number three once again today. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. How many know today that God wants to give you peace? God wants you to live in peace. In fact, God wants you to know him in such a way that as you know him, you begin to increase in peace in your mind, peace in your heart, peace in your emotions, peace in the circumstances of your life, even when they are unpeaceful circumstances, that you would have peace inside of you, a peace that is supernatural, that can't come from anything else except for the Spirit of God working in your life, that God wants you to live at peace even in the relationships of your life. In fact, this leads me to our observation for today, if you're taking notes, you might want to write it down. And that is this. The more I know God, the more I will know his peace. See, here's the deal, guys. God wants to give you a peace for your life, a peace that passes all understanding, a peace in the relationships, the circumstances, the turmoil of this world and of your life. And here's how you find that peace by knowing God. The more I know God, the more I will know his peace at work in my life. In fact, let's just take a minute. Let's just break down this passage just a little bit today. In verse number one, Paul says, hey, I urge you to live a life that is worthy of the calling that you have received. See, God has a calling for our lives. And some of us get frustrated because we don't know what that calling is. But what's so great is that Paul actually tells us a big part of what that calling is in verse number two. Look what he says, that we are called to what? To be completely humble and gentle to be patient, to bear with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. What's that saying? Paul is saying, here's what God has called us to. You ready for this? God has called us to live in peace, to have peace in our minds, peace in our hearts, peace in our relationships with others. In fact, if that wasn't clear enough for you, Paul really just kind of spells it out in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 15. He says this, he says that we should let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts since we are members of one body and we were what? Called to peace. Guess what, guys? You're called to peace. As followers of Christ, we are called to live in and at peace with the world that is around us. But you know what, man? I look around at this world, and I see that there ain't a whole lot of people living according to this calling. I mean, all you got to do is just, like, open up your phone and get on Facebook, and you will see what I'm talking about. All you got to do is just turn on the, no the news, and, and you will see that, man, we live in a world that's full of turmoil. A world that's filled with division. You, you look around in the world and you see, man, there are people who are angry and people who are upset and people who are constantly arguing and, and there's all this divisiveness in this world today. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Come on. You look around and you, and you see it everywhere that you look, don't you? And let me just tell you something. It's not just the non-Christians that are living this way. In fact, the sad fact is today is that as followers of Christ... We are called to peace, but most Christians are right in the middle of the fight. You look around, and you see the division that is everywhere in this world that we live in today, and you see that Christians are just as divided as anybody else. 
And what is it that causes this? I mean, when you really get down to the heart of what causes this division in our world, that causes this, this turmoil, this strife, this lack of peace that we have in our world, it can really only come down to one thing. I'll tell you what it is. You're not going to like it because I didn't really like it either. But I'll tell you what it is. It comes down to a prideful spirit. Because this is the way most of us live. Like, life is all about me. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, give me what I want and focus on me. And, and man, this is a spirit that has really, has really taken, taken hold in the culture that we live in today. Man, people are, you know, maybe it's a current event or it's a political thing. And it's all about, hey, I got to argue my opinion because my opinion is the only one that's right. And yours doesn't even matter. Come on, how many have seen this in this world, Right. Maybe it's, hey, you know, my spouse, and she just can't get things right, and she or he just can't do things right, and it causes this turmoil and this division among your home. Maybe it's, maybe it's the church, or the pastor just can't do it right, or it's the in-laws that just can't get it right, or it's the neighbors, or it's the government, or whatever it is, because life is all about me, and my opinion is the only one that matters. And you know what the scripture says about that? That pride leads to arguments. That pride leads to strife. In fact, it reminds me of this guy I heard about one time who just kind of, you know, he got kind of sick and tired of the fact that every day he just got up and he went to work and his wife just stayed home. And so one day he got up and he said, I'm tired of that. I'm doing all the work. She just staying at home. And so he knelt down at his bed and he prayed, dear Lord, every day I go to work and I put in eight, 10, 12 hours and my wife, she just merely sits here at home. I want her to know what I go through. So please allow her body to switch with mine just for one day. Amen. Well, God, in his infinite wisdom, he granted the man's wish. The next morning, sure enough, the man woke up and he was his wife and she was him. She went away to work. He arose. He cooked breakfast. He awakened the kids, took the kids to school, put them all in the car, put all the stuff in the car and took it to the dry cleaning and got all the stuff for the bank and took it to the deposit at the bank. He went to the grocery store and did all the shopping, drove home and put away the groceries, paid some bills, balanced the checkbook, cleaned out the cat's litter box and bathed the dog. All of this before one o'clock. He realized he hadn't had anything to eat, and so he quickly, quickly gobbled down a sandwich, and then he hurried to make the beds and do the laundry and vacuum and dust and sweep and mop the floor and taught the kids, helped the kids with their homework when they got home. Well, after a while, it was time to take the kid to the scout meeting and another to the soccer practice and another to the piano lessons. And, and then after the, he did all that, he came home and he did some ironing. And then it's about 6.30 and they hadn't had dinner. So now he's got to fix the dinner, peel the potatoes, wash the vegetables, do all the stuff until finally about 9 o'clock, he puts the kids in bed after bathing them and taking care of all the laundry and the dishes and all the stuff. And it's 9 o'clock, he finally falls back in bed, exhausted from all the daily chores that he had finished after that his wife gets into bed and expects him to do things that husbands and wives do <laughs> the next morning he awoke immediately he knelt by the bed and he said lord i don't know what i was thinking i was so wrong to envy my wife and be able to stay home all day please oh please lord let us trade back the Lord in his infinite wisdom replied, my son, I feel you have learned your lesson and I will be happy to change things back to the way they were, but you're going to have to wait nine months because you got pregnant last night. <laughs> Come on, I'll tell you, that's funny right there. I don't, I don't care, that's funny. And isn't this our attitudes sometimes about people? 
It's a prideful attitude. Like we haven't walked in their shoes. So we think it's all about us. And we think, man, it's got to be what I think. And yet many times, here's what God wants us to do, to take a step into their shoes and see things from their perspective so that we might live at peace. In fact, Paul tells us, here's the cure for the prideful attitude that brings about strife in our relationships and in the world today. Here's the cure. The cure is no God. The more you know God, here's what's going to happen. The more you're going to realize how big he is and how small you are. The more you know God, the more it's going to bring about humility in your life because you're going to realize maybe he knows more than me and maybe I don't know quite as much as I really think that I do. Come on, right? The more I know God, the more I'm going to be filled with patience for others and humility in my character. The more I'm going to love others, the more I'm going to have joy in my life. The more I know God, the more I'm going to be filled with the fruits of the Spirit. And I'm going to have that patience and that love and that joy. And I'm going to have that what are we talking about today? That peace that's going to overcome my life as I know him more. So that leads me to our application today. How do we know God in such a way that it changes us from the inside out so that we can begin to live at peace in a world that's filled with strife? Well, I think Paul gives us three things in this passage here today, if you're taking notes, you might want to write these three things down. The first one is this. If we're going to live with this kind of peace that Paul is talking about, we're going to have to make the effort. Everybody say, make the effort. Have to make the effort. Look what he says in verse three. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. What's Paul saying? Paul is saying, hey, if you're going to have peace in your marriage, if you're going to have peace in your relationship with your boss or your co-workers, if you're going to have peace in your church or in your community or, or wherever it is that you are lacking peace in your relationships, if you're going to have this kind of peace, it's not going to just happen. It doesn't just kind of all of a sudden appear automatically. You're going to have to make some effort. You're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to work for it. Come on. Peace doesn't happen just naturally in our relationships. You got to work. And how many know sometimes it's more work than other times, right? How many know some people require more work than other? Come on. You know what I'm saying? We affectionately around here call them EGR people. Extra grace required. How many know an extra grace required person? Some of y'all are pointing at someone. Don't point. That's just, that wouldn't be good, right? I mean, we know these people, don't we? Right? And then we go, I want to be at peace. But man, you know, I, this person is so difficult. And what does Paul say about this? Actually, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, he expands on it just a little bit more. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on, on who? Everybody say it. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. What, is it, what does he say? He says, hey, guys, who is responsible for bringing peace? Who is it that has to make the effort? Oh, I'm waiting on them to make the effort. No, no. What does he say? As far as it depends on you, the pastor, like you don't know my spouse. I mean, she's just so hard or he's just so hard to live with. You don't know my boss. I mean, if you knew my boss, you wouldn't be saying this. Or you don't know what's going on and what people are posting on their Facebook. And I just have to do something. I just have to say something. No, you don't. <laughs> Come on. Because we have a calling. And what is that calling? That calling is to live at peace. To have the peace of God ruling in our hearts. And Paul says, here's who it depends on. It depends on you. Now listen, this doesn't mean 
that we're always going to get along with everybody all the time and always see eye to eye. This doesn't even mean that when we don't see eye to eye, that we don't sometimes go ahead and voice what we, what we feel is right. Speak truth. But the scripture tells us that there is a way to speak truth. That we speak truth in what? In, in love. Right? And so here's the deal, guys. Even if it's the right thing, if it's said in the wrong way, it's the wrong thing. And I'll go ahead and expand on that. If it's the right thing and it's said at the wrong time. Come on. How many know the Bible says there's a time and season for everything? If it's the right thing and it's said in the wrong place, it's still the wrong thing. In fact, let me just, I'm going to just give you a little free advice today. Is this okay? Like it's, it's free. I ain't going to charge you nothing. It might set you free. But let me just give you a little social media advice. You ready for this? I'm going to change your world when it comes to social media. It's so easy. You might even want to write it down. So good. You ready? Just keep scrolling. Come on. Why don't you say it with me? Just keep scrolling. Man, that'll change your life. <laughs> oh, but I got to say something. You see what they... No, no. You just scroll on down to the next one. Oh, but they're political. No, you just scroll. Come on, right? Well, I don't agree with that. No, you just, just keep scrolling. Just keep... Come on. Just get it in your mind. Just keep scrolling. Just keep scrolling. And I will tell you this. Nobody ever has had their opinion changed by a Facebook comment. Oh, I got to tell them. I got to set them straight. Guess what? It ain't changing the way they think about anything except the way they think about you and the way they think about the God that you represent and the way they think about other Christians. Come on, I'm setting some people free here today. You, we got to make the effort, but I just have to say something. That's just how I'm wired. No, 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 no. The spirit of the living God is living inside of you and he has called you to peace. And the more you know God, the more his peace is going to flow through you and the more you're going to be able to live with grace for others. But you're going to have to make the effort to do it. Man, you, you got you to gotta make the effort. Number two, write this down. If we're going to live at this kind of peace, we're not just going to make the effort. We have to change the focus. So everybody say, change the focus. Look what Paul says in verse number three. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. There is one Lord and one faith and one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and in all and through all. Check out what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, hey guys, if you're going to live at this kind of peace that, that God is calling you to live at, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to change your focus because here's the problem. Here's the reason that we have so much division in our world is we focus on the wrong stuff. We focus on the stuff that really doesn't matter that much. And Paul goes, hey, let's bring our focus back to the stuff that really does matter. In fact, this is what happens with churches and with Christians. I mean, as a pastor, I grew up as a pastor's kid. I've been a pastor now for 20 whatever it is years. I have seen it over and over. We fight over the dumbest stuff. Come on, have you seen it? Like, well, we're contemporary. Well, we're traditional, you know? I mean, we sing this kind of songs out of a book. That's the way they did it in the Old Testament, you know, or whatever. We sing off the wall, or we have chairs, we have pews, we have a steeple. We don't. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? The color of the carpet. I mean the weirdest, craziest stuff. Like, our preacher, he gets excited, and he's really loud. Well, our preacher's kind of tame, and he's kind of quiet. Well, my way is right, and my theology's right, and our doctrine is right, and yours is wrong. Come on, right? What happens? It brings about division. 
Why? Because we're focusing on, and I'm not saying theology and doctrine doesn't matter. It does matter. But really, when it comes down to it, here's what really, really matters. Paul said it like this. There's one God. And there's one body, and there's one spirit, and there's one faith, and there's one Lord, and there's one baptism, and there's one Father over all. And yes, there's all kinds of opinions, and all kinds of all kinds of traditions, and all kinds of styles, and all kinds of all of that kind of stuff. And all that stuff does matter, but there's something that matters more. That there's one God. What if we decided we're going to look at the things that we have in common rather than focusing on the things that we have that are different? Imagine what could happen among the body of Christ. Imagine the testimony that it could be as people look on. I mean, think about it. People who aren't Christ followers look on and they see churches fighting over silly stuff and they go, I already got enough drama in my life. Why would I want to be a part of that? But when they begin to look at us and go, hey, you know what? There are different races and different backgrounds and different ages and different tastes and different preferences and different all that stuff. But man, they've come together because they love God and they love people and they're living according to the purpose that God has for them. Unified under that, people look on and go, man, I want to be a part of that because that's different than what I see in this world around me. See, when we focus on preferences and styles and methods, the result is division. But when we focus on loving God and loving each other and fulfilling God's purposes, the result is harmony. See, here's the deal, guys. God's looking for unity. Not uniformity. There's a difference. Everybody has to be the same. That's uniformity. No, no, not everybody's the same. We're all different. God's a creative God. He made us all with all kinds of differences But we come together. What brings us to unity is focused on God, loving him, loving others, doing what he has asked us to do. In fact, I love the way the scripture says it in Romans 14 and verse number 19 in the Phillips translation. It says, let us concentrate on. What does he say? He said, let us focus on the things which make for harmony and on growth of one another's character. We're going to focus on the things that we have in common. In fact, this is why we're doing Fire Bible. You know what, guys? There are hundreds of languages in the world, but there's only one Bible. And that one Bible needs to come together in the language of somebody that can read it for themselves. This is a vision God has given us. And this is what brings us together when we come together under a purpose, the purpose of changing lives. So we got to make the effort. Everybody say, make the effort. We got to change the focus. Say, change the focus. Number three, write this down. We got to live in grace. Look at this, verse number four. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all who is over all and through all. But to each one of us, grace has been given. Guess what, guys? You can't live like this on your own. It won't happen naturally. It can only happen supernaturally. See, the fruits of the flesh are division and divisiveness and anger. And man, you go and read it in Galatians chapter five, but, but you go on and you see that the fruit of the spirit is what? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. This stuff doesn't happen by ourselves. It only happens when the spirit of God is living inside of us. And you know what that's called? It's called grace. And here's what's so amazing. Some of you say, well, I can't do it. I don't, (laughs) pastor, I don't have grace. I did the spiritual gift assessment and grace was not high on my list. I know some of y'all like that, right? But here's the good news. You do have grace. You know why? Because it says right there, it has been given. That God gave it to you. 
So what do we do? How do we live this out practically? I'll tell you, this is, this is what I think we ought to do. Make grace your default. And no matter what happens, no matter what somebody says, no matter what's going on, every single time my default attitude, my default mode is going to be grace. Instead of automatically defaulting to criticism, well, they don't do it right and they don't see it the way I see it and I got to make them, I got to make them see it the way that I see it. Instead, I'm going to default to grace. Hey, I'm going to have grace. You know what? Hey, I may not understand what they're doing or why they're doing it that way, but I haven't walked in their shoes. And so instead of criticizing, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Come on, that's living by grace. That, hey, instead of automatically going to arguments and I saw something they posted or they said something and I don't like it and I just have to say something about it. Instead, I'm going to default to grace and instead of me talking, I'm going to listen. Maybe I'm going to try to find their perspective or their point of view. Instead of automatically going to gossip when somebody does something and I didn't, I'm going to go tell somebody else about what they did. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to default to grace. And if it really is a problem, I'm going to go directly to the person instead of talking to the other people and not go to them to argue, but actually go to them to try to bring resolve and restoration to the relationship. Come on. You see how grace can change everything? Instead of when I hear something from some gossip about someone else, automatically thinking the worst about them, instead I'm automatically going to think the best about that person and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to trust instead of being suspicious of others. Grace makes all the difference. Imagine what could happen in your marriage if you lived like this. Imagine how it could change your work relationships. Imagine how it could change your relationship with the people in your neighborhood, your family, that family member that's so difficult to get along with if you begin to default to grace in every single situation. Imagine how it could change our world. If Christians, instead of being in the middle of the fight, decided to live according to their calling, we are called to live at peace. It doesn't mean we never stand up for truth, but when we do, we do it in the right place, in the right time, in the right way, and we do it with grace and love. And guess what? That's what God did for us. Make all the difference. Scripture, man, we see it. God has called us to live at peace. Observation, and then more, the more we know God, the more we're going to have peace in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts, in our relationships, in every area of our life. How do we live this out application? We got to make the effort. We got to change the focus and we got to live in grace. That leads me today to the prayer. What's the prayer? I believe the prayer is God help us live at peace. God help us to live in your peace. 